Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. So you're getting your worship on. Thank you so much, Gail. We just so appreciate you and your friends. And um, what we appreciate most, though, is that Jesus is first, right? Yeah, that's what we really appreciate. So, uh, you know, I, I have to admit I feel a little embarrassed. I forgot to celebrate the 40th birthday of the Lisa. I know. I'm late. It was in January. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The Lisa? You remember? The Lisa? The Lisa computer? 40 years old. Yeah, check it out. If you, if you don't remember, if you don't remember what I'm talking about, maybe this uh, little commercial will jog your mind. That was a great presentation you made in there. Do you know I put together that entire project, including the presentation slides, just this morning? Had your whole department working on it, huh? No, I used my new Lisa personal computer. A personal computer did all of that? That's right. Incredible. The Lisa computer is incredible. In just a few moments, it helped me adjust a schedule chart. Update an entire budget. Write a memo. Which included part of the develop some graphics and create a distribution list and I had time to spare before my meeting and now with my Lisa working for me I can do this kind of project every day and still have time to relax all right I'm not gonna point anybody out but there are a few of you that weren't born back then, and you, and you are not being kind to what was cutting-edge technology when I was eight years old, okay? So, by the way, so, front, you know, third row, who made, that, who made that computer? I said third row. We're trying to... We're trying to get the youngins here to give us the... So, so here's the thing. So this computer, for those of you who didn't know, you didn't hear, the, the right answer was given. That, you may be surprised, that computer was made by none other than our very own Apple. Yeah, the Apple Lisa. Yeah, look at that fine computer. Now be honest, how many... How many of you had actually heard of the Apple Lisa before this moment? A few of you? A couple of you? All right. Okay. There's, there's a few of you. So here's the thing. I would almost guarantee the vast majority of people have never heard of this computer before. It was, why? Because it was one of Apple's biggest flops ever. 
It was, 1983, it was a huge flop. Why? Because Apple made some very big miscalculations when it came to this computer. Firstly, they way overpriced it, but also, and maybe more importantly, you saw all the things that it was doing. I know you, I know you weren't impressed, but this computer was kind of the precursor to another company that we won't just put their name out there because I don't know why or not because I'm putting apples out there. But, <laughs> but you know, they, they do something called Windows. That's, this was the, the original right here. And so here's the problem. To do everything that they wanted to do requires some power. And they powered it on one megabyte of RAM. <laughs> Randy, Randy got a good one megabyte of RAM. And so you will not be surprised, or some of you will be, to know that this computer was incredibly laggy. It took forever to do anything. They did not give it enough power to do the very good functions that they had in mind. It was, the concept was great. They just didn't have the execution to make their great ideas happen. Not enough RAM. But if you were going to ask me the single biggest mistake that Apple made with this project was that they had a guy you may have heard, some of you might have heard is this guy's name. His name is Steve Jobs. And he started the project. In fact, the Lisa is named after his daughter. It's named after his daughter, but partway into that project, management got tired of having Steve and being Steve on that project, and they pulled him. And they put him off on a little backwater, know-nothing project that wasn't going to amount to anything, but they put him over on that, and then they took their major idea, the Lisa, and ran with it. Well, that little backwater project is what we know today as the Macintosh. It sometimes matters who you have in charge of your project. I, did somebody say I can sit down now? Okay, I hear that. All right. It sometimes matters who you have involved in your project, and it matters whether you calculate what it's going to take to complete the project. Sometimes that's money. Sometimes that's resources. Many times... That's personnel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I continue to speak, I pray that you would continue your presence here. But Lord, what I really want to ask you for is transformation. I don't want the people who walked in here, including myself, to leave the way they came. I want us to leave a little bit more like you. And we'd be okay if it was a lot more like you. So, Lord, I pray that you get me out of your way and you'd say what you have to say. In your name I pray it. Amen. So, we've been doing a series of sermons uh, called Follow Me, because that's our theme for this year. And this week, we're going to talk about what the cost of following Jesus is. I know this is not maybe all of our favorite moment, right? We like to buy the computer, but we don't like what it takes to buy the computer, right? We don't like the, the hours of work 
We don't like the price tag, but we sure like the product, but the price tag. And sometimes in Christianity, we make the mistake of not being honest about the fact that there is a price tag to following Jesus. Following Jesus comes at a cost. Some of you are saying, well, I'm pretty sure I was saved by grace. Absolutely. But that costs somebody something. And when you choose to follow Jesus, it will cost you something. And if you don't believe me, Jesus said so. Luke chapter 14. Jesus is very upfront with his followers that following him is going to cast something. And so he actually says to them, look, you need, before you begin this journey of following me, you need to count the cost. So why does Jesus say that? Well, there's some obvious reasons. Because if you don't count the cost ahead of time, you're going to underpower the computer. You're going to put the wrong price point on the computer. You're not going to have the resources. You're not going to have the mentality that it's going to take for you to keep following if you haven't thought about what it's going to cost. You guys know what I'm talking about. You started on a project that, you, that was way too big, but you're like, I can do it, but you didn't really think it all the way through. And then it gets put over to the side and never gets completed because you didn't really decide, I am going to do this. A number of years ago, I decided to run a triathlon. There was a cost to doing that. I had to do exercise on a pretty regular basis to get myself ready for that. And at the end of last service, somebody challenged me to do a triathlon a year, so I accepted. So cross your fingers, we'll see what happens now. <laughs> There's a cost. There's always a cost to doing things. And Jesus wants us to think through it. He doesn't want us to be surprised when things get hard. And he doesn't want us to give up because we haven't counted the cost. That doesn't mean you can figure out everything ahead of time. But it does mean before you just blithely head out, you ought to think about what might be happening and what it could cost you. So Jesus starts telling people some of the things that might cost. In Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 19, a teacher of uh, the religious law comes to him and says, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And again, Jesus doesn't go, fantastic. Let's hang out for a while and then I'll let you know what might be involved. Rather, he says right off the bat, no, no explanation, by the way. Foxes have dens to live in. Birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. What's he saying to the guy? He's saying, basically, if you're following me when it gets to nighttime, I'm not going to be stopping at a Hilton hotel. I'm not going to be stopping at a Motel 6. We're going to be sleeping out in a field somewhere. Are you ready for that? By the way, little interesting thing that I came across, the word lay there. There's only one other place where that word in the original language that this was written in is used in relationship to Jesus laying his head. Only one other place in all the gospels 
where Jesus is said, so he says, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. There's only one place in the gospels that records Jesus laying his head, and it's right here. Jesus is on the cross, John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus had tasted the sour vinegar, and he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, laid down his head. That's it's the same word that was used in the last one. He laid his head and gave up his spirit. I want you to stop and think about the message that you might be able to take away from this for a minute. The message is that Jesus, the only place he had to lay his head was when he died. And if you're following him, that could be something he asks of you too. Because remember, if you're following somebody, you're with them. Jesus continues on. Another disciple said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Wait a minute. Can, can we just be honest for a second? If you came up to me last week and you said, Ken, I'd really love to come help with the uh, church work bee, but my father passed away and the funeral is tomorrow. And I said... Let the spiritual dead bury their own. As for you, come and be at the work bee. I suspect some of you might be looking for a new church. <laughs> or a new pastor for this church. One or the other. Can we just call it what it is? This is hard. Now, I want you to know that some theologians take a look at this and they say, well, you know, the Jewish people had a ceremony that could last upwards of a year when it came to burial. And so what this disciple might have really been saying to Jesus is, look, I need to take about a year hiatus before I can come follow you because it's going to take about a year to get through this process of burying my father. And Jesus kind of says back, well, hey, buddy, I'm really only on my ministry part of my, for about three and a half years, so you're gonna be missing, you know, about a third of it, so you need to come follow me now if you're gonna do it. Maybe, but can we just see it for what it says? It says something hard. It says something almost offensive, to be honest with you. You would have to have an overwhelming reason to think that you needed to be with Jesus to not go home and take care of your dad and to be with your mom and to be with the rest of the family. Jesus asked for something hard. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know if that's, well, can we just look at this one? If that, can we clear it up a little bit more? If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So just in case you're trying to wiggle out of it. Now let's go ahead and also recognize Jesus said, did not tell you that you need to hate all these people. He said by comparison. He's saying, you need to be so in love with me. You need to be so about me that by comparison, You hate everybody else. Because if you don't, you can't be my disciple. So there's those of us who really want to domesticate Jesus into this really nice rabbi with some really nice teachings. But can we just say that if he's not the son of God, this is some mean, cruel stuff. 
If he's not God, this is some mean, cruel stuff. If he is God, that changes it. It's not mean and it's cruel because he knows what he's doing. But if it's Ken saying this stuff, that is some mean, cruel stuff to say. And I believe that Jesus was within every bit of his right. And more importantly, he needed to say this to us. We need to hear these words. We need to hear the hardness of it because it's part of counting the cost. Because when you follow Jesus, I want to assure you, if you're following him, it will cost you something. And that's the thing about being a disciple. The whole definition of a disciple is one who follows. So the question is, what are you a disciple of? And Jesus says, you can only be a disciple of me. Everything else by comparison has to be way over there. And you have to be dialed into the fact that you've got to follow me and only me. Just to finish up this little summary of Jesus' words on this topic, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, any of you, not some of you, not the 12, not the 70, if any of you, that that includes all of us, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own own way, take up your cross and follow me. Can I just summarize it for you then? So what's the cost of following Jesus? Well, you think, well, maybe is it martyrdom? Is it giving up my career? Is it giving up my reputation? And I'm going to tell you, it could, but let's not focus on that part. Let's focus on what the real cost is. This is it. Jesus first. That's the cost. That's the price tag. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, Jesus has to be first, not equal to, because remember he said, by comparison, you have to hate all these other, and he included wife, he included husband in that, he included children, he included, the people that we would consider most important, he said, by comparison, they have to be over here and I have to be way over here. Jesus first. That is a big price tag, my friends. It's a lot easier to go through the checklist of, well, I'm keeping the Sabbath. I believe this. I believe that. That stuff, uh, checklists, we can do. Jesus first, that takes it to a whole other different level because Jesus might ask for something that's not on everybody else's checklist for you. Jesus first. I want to go ahead and invite all the people I gave a sign to to come up here. We're going to try to do a little visual illustration. Sarah, I need you to come up at this point too. So if I gave you one of these little signs, come up here. I'm going to actually ask you to stand right across the, the platform here for me. So uh, just get yourselves into a nice little straight line that we can all look at. And then hold your sign up once you get up here. So thank you all so much. By the way, thank, these people are awesome for being willing to volunteer to do this. Um, So Sarah, you're my follower. You're my disciple today, okay? So wave to everybody, Sarah. There we go, that's Sarah, okay? So Sarah has a lot of things going on in Sarah's life. Sarah has family that she loves. Sarah, do you have a few toys that you love? You know, know, car, I don't know, just, you know, stuff that you enjoy, yeah? We all have, like, the toys that we like, right? 
Then there's Jesus in your life, Sarah. I know you love Jesus, so you got Jesus in your life. Money's a thing. We can all pretend like it's not a thing, but by the way, money isn't evil. It's the root of some bad things, but it's not evil. Money is, we all need it to kind of make our ways. We're going to find out in our COPE experience this afternoon. Reputation, can I just be honest? That's one that matters to me. I want you to think well of me, and I think it's important you think well of me. As a pastor, my reputation really matters. Career, that matters. Helps the money part of things. But for some of us, maybe the career is more important than the money, right? You know what I'm saying? Achieving, doing something. Romance, it is Valentine's Day, right? Coming up, as we were told. We all want that, we all want the, the love and affection of others in our life that matters. And then relationships, these, all these things matter. So Sarah, go stand right in the middle of all these things, if you wouldn't mind. What all of us want is, you, I'm almost willing to guarantee you want exactly what I want. You want all of those things at the same time. Isn't it nice when they all line up on the stage for us like that on the platform there? Isn't that great when they're all in a line and we can have it all? If you're like me, you fight to have it all, right? You're like, well, I can, I can do a little less over here and I can do a little bit more over here and then I'll do a little bit more over here and then I'll do a little less over here and I'll figure out, I want it all. But can we all just be honest for a minute? It is impossible to have it all in life. Where would we put it? As Stephen Wright said at one point. Where would we put it all? You can't have everything as much as you want to. There are trade-offs. There are times you have to decide what you are going to have. And so it's really wonderful when these, all these things converge in one place and, and you have them all together. But what happens when these things start going in different directions? For those of you holding the signs, you can come, go back to your seats and Sarah, you can decide what you want to follow. Sarah has made the right choice. Oh, Jesus is going that way. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm... You see what I'm saying? Do you literally see what I'm saying? Sometimes Jesus doesn't go in the same direction as our career. Sometimes Jesus doesn't go the same way as our romantic interest. Sometimes Jesus doesn't go the same way as our reputation. Sometimes those paths diverge, and when they do, you have to have counted the cost and decided that Jesus is the key to the success of the project of your life. If you think your money is what's going to make your life worthwhile, your career, your family... Those things will take your attention and take you in a different direction than Jesus is headed. And it's your decision whether you want to follow Jesus or not. And so that is why the price of following Jesus, the cost of following Jesus is Jesus first. I hope you go home this afternoon this evening, this week, and really ponder what Jesus first looks like in your life. Ken can't tell you that. I know what Jesus first in my life looks like, or at least I'm trying to understand what it looks like. I'm asking God 
every day to show me more and more what it means. But I don't know what Jesus first in your life looks like. I have some broad ideas, but you need to ask yourself, what is it that Jesus first means? Because you cannot honestly call yourself a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, if you're not following him. That's not being rude or mean. It's just the definition of a disciple or a follower is one who is following. And if you want to follow Jesus, the price tag is big. I would suggest the reward is big. But there is a cost. It means there are times when you are going to be torn to the core because you want to have it all. But Jesus is leading away from what you think you need. So family, what happens if you don't choose right? What happens if you make the wrong choice? What happens if you follow that career? What if you make a mistake? That's next week. So I want you to come back for part two of the cost. When we talk about what happens when the cost is too big. We're going to talk about some examples from the Bible. And I want you to know that there is grace and hope when you put Jesus first. Thank you so much. Um, it's like, oh, I have to get up. I'm just letting, uh, <laughs> letting the spirit, you know, wash over me. But yeah, and I think it's, I really want to point out that this is uh, the kind of the title song on a new project that you're working on. Is that right? Gail? That's true. I have a new project coming out in two weeks. It's entitled Worship While I Wait. Amen. Awesome. Beautiful. Incredible. All right. This is the time of the service where... We get to respond to Ken's sermon, and uh, if you're online, you can uh, head to the chat room, and if you have your phone, you can also go to the chat room right now at wholelife.church/live, and um, you can post a question there, and uh, it can happen live. It can happen right now. So um, I just wanted to say in response to that sermon of uh, when, uh, if anyone's worked retail, they probably really resonated with you must, and by comparison, hate people, because they were probably like, done, you know, <laughs> I've got that one taken care of. Retail um, and Christmas, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hate people, easier, got easier it. Easier at that time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it. Um, I'm just going to ask one of these here, uh, which is, uh, this comes from T. Cinco, which uh, surprises Tammy, but... Um, <laughs> but uh, Praying for you, Tammy, by the way. Yes, I just uh, hope that knee gets better. Yet, um, the greatest cost Jesus and his followers paid was within the religious community. What happens when I put Jesus first and the way he calls me to follow is not within the more established rules of religion? Good question, Tammy. Yeah, nice job, Tammy. Thanks Um, a lot, yeah. (laughs) You know, I actually realized that after I made all those signs up, I realized I should have put in um, organized religion. Is on because sometimes organized religion can veer away from Jesus. It certainly did in his time. Um, and so Jesus first. Jesus, Jesus over denomination. Mm-hmm. All right. And I don't say that because I don't love my church and my denomination, because I do. But Jesus first. 
Jesus first. So a lot of times when I read that verse, uh, this is a question from me, I'm sorry, online audience, but... <laughs> It's okay. It's our, it's our time together It's right our now, time Stanley. together. It's the only time you I get a pen. You haven't been able to be up as much in front, so yeah. you'll... <laughs> um, when I read that verse of like putting your family, for, or yeah. putting your family behind Jesus, I yeah. can't help. I'm a, a film guy. I always imagine a very dramatic situation of like, I'm, they're hanging off a cliff, and I've got Jesus in one hand, my family in the other, and I'm like... <sighs> You know, like, yeah. sorry, got to go. You know, like, I have to put Jesus first. I was asked to. I mean, is it, is it that intense? Well, you know, I, I think that I actually <laughs> want to say something to this because I really think this is a, a really, um, although you framed it in a humorous way, um, I guess. Um, there, <laughs> there, uh, there are a lot of people that are in my profession and in, in the ministry profession that are willing to sacrifice their families because of that verse. They say, well, you know, I'm a pastor, and so Jesus first. My, I'm not going to, you know, my kids are going to have to figure out, you know. There used to be a saying that, uh, that you, amongst pastors is you take care of the church and God will take care of your kids. Um, mm-hmm. I have a bit of a problem with that because I believe that God gave me my kids, so it is my responsibility to take care of them. And, and so the, the overriding thing that I think we all have to really think about is, is Ken really putting his ministry first or his career first? And I think a lot of times as pastors, we get the two things confused. We're not really going where Jesus has called us. We're going towards where our career and our ego and our reputation is getting fed as opposed to really doing it. And it's something, believe me, I struggle with because I'm a career-oriented kind of guy. I like accomplishing things. I, like my, I want you to think well of me. And so I'll give you a great example. Um, my son was home last weekend for home leave. For those of you who understand, he's a boarding student. And we had some things that we needed to get accomplished with him. And we also had the church work be last Sunday afternoon. And I knew I was going to have to make a decision. In the past, I always would have chosen to be at the work be because Jesus first, career first. But I really thought it through. And I talked to a couple of the staff and they said, we don't need you here. Your son does need you. He's home. And he's not home every weekend. And you have these things that you're needing to accomplish. And so in that case, I chose my son because that's what I felt like God needed me to do. And, and, and believe me, I only tell you that because this is more of an exception. I wish I was a better dad like that because this is more of the exception than what, I wish, than what I have been. But what I want to say to all of us is we need to be careful as we evaluate whether it's Jesus that we're really putting first or career or reputation, but we're just clothing it in the religious garb. I do think that there's a time where... I have to let go of my son and follow Jesus at times. And, my, and I do. I think that there could be times where I'm going to have to say, Eric, I'm sorry. But I want to be careful that I'm not just doing it because it's really more about my career and what you think of me as opposed to what God's asking me to do. Mm. Amen. We are out of time, but there is a really great question. So, podcast. Podcast. The podcast is called This Is Whole Life. It's available What's everywhere. What's the question so that people can okay. decide whether they want to listen to podcasts or not? So, this is, I like this because this is kind of an unusual question for this topic, but uh, James asks, any advice for young people stressed finding love that coincides with God and a significant other, as in 
marry a Christian girl or boy, marry, you know, um, and any advice for that? Do, do I have to find someone that's a Christian? I think is what they're asking. So uh, I, I sh- love that question. I have a so. strong opinion on this. Woo, all right. And we'll talk about it during the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Tune in. That comes out Wednesday, right, Randy? All right. Check it out. This is Whole Life. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Stanley. All right, don't forget to be here next Sabbath as we finish up. To me, this is very much a two-part sermon. If I was allowed to preach for 40 minutes, it would have been a one-part sermon. But because I preach for about 20, 25 minutes, this is a two-parter, okay? So be here next Sabbath. I am giving away money. (laughs) If you needed to count the cost, I'm just letting you know I'm giving away money. So there will be, anyway, so we'll see you there. Um, Also, just please, 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 we have... We have already had 200 people sign up for the retreat, and I'm thrilled about that, but I really don't, if you're looking for, like, if you, if you, wanted, if you care about where you're staying at Camp Kalakwa, sign up now. Please sign up. And the other part of this, and I really want you to hear me very clearly, this retreat is a really big deal at this church. If you're new here and you don't understand, this is a really big deal. I did not understand it until last year when I went for the first time. It's a really big deal, and we want you there. At the same time, it's, it, it is expensive. And so if it's something that you can't afford and you're looking at you like, I'd really like to be there, but I can't afford to do it, then I really want to ask you to please talk to one of the pastoral team. We're going to figure out how to get you there. Okay? That's our commitment to you. We're going, we do not want money to be what stops you from being there. And we've got some really wonderful people who, are, who have helped with scholarships and that sort of thing. So we'll figure it out. Don't let money be the reason that you're not there. Okay? So come talk to one of our pastoral team if you, if you need to get that figured out. But we'd love to have you there. It's going to be amazing. Final thing was we have the COPE experience this afternoon. Cost of poverty experience. It's happening right in here this afternoon. Um, and I have been told that there have been a couple of last-minute backouts, so we have a little extra space that if you didn't sign up for it, that you can still kind of find your way in. And so, uh, again, you can talk to one of me or one of the staff if you want to about being a part of that. That is all. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you. The cost isn't too much. It's high, but you're worth every bit of it. Holy Spirit, help us to do what we can't do on our own. Help us to follow when it seems like we can't. We pray in your name. Amen. I love you. Go love your world. Hi. This is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407 965 1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. 
and plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.